Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Lakeview Baptist Wednesday night devotional. So glad you all could come out and make it. And, uh, and for, you, for, for those of you who are online, thank you for tuning in today. I'll be sharing the devotional part. Brother Bill will be doing the prayer part. Uh, so I picked uh, suffering for the topic. Uh, we have some uh, dear friends that are in Kentucky. Uh, they were members of the church, uh, Mike and Darlene Mullins, and, uh, and he's in hospice. And, uh, and I kind of have a troubled heart over that. And I know my, my brother Mike is suffering. I, I know Darlene's suffering. We've been preaching in the book of Peter, uh, First Peter. We've been preaching through it, and uh, it has a lot has a lot to do about suffering. Talks a lot about suffering. Uh, so I, First Peter, chapter four, verse twelve will be the verse. But it really got me thinking about it. Uh, this Sunday evening, I'll be doing a message uh, twelve through nineteen. And I just kind of pulled this one verse off the top, and I really started thinking about suffering. And, uh, and you know, why, though? Why, why, I guess, is a big question. People often wonder, what, why do we suffer? Why does God do these things? Why does God allow evil? Why does God allow death? Why does God allow sin? Uh, he actually he even wills it. And some say, oh, boy, I know you struggle with that one, but... As I go on, maybe you'll have a, a better understanding of my perception of it. But the suffering, thinking about suffering, uh, from the time I was born as a little baby, uh, coming into this world, we suffered with our wants and our needs and not able to have things. We had our mothers that would feed us and take care of us, and hopefully she would be in tune to what we needed. Then we have pains, growing pains. Oh, lots of suffering, uh, I think of it. And I, I, know, I know that some of us do a lot better at uh, suffering and not showing it. Uh, matter of fact, I believe I came to this church for five years and I was suffering inside. And, and uh, I always had a smile on my face and, and uh, being positive towards uh, people in the church. But I was suffering inside. You know, there's all forms of suffering. And because of the flesh, we're in the flesh, and we suffer. Uh, we suffer, suffer when we do right. We suffer when we do wrong. Growing up, I, from a broken family, I suffered every time one of my parents would get a divorce. I would suffer. I would cry. I suffered... Uh, Maybe you didn't have a good spouse. Maybe you had a relationship or a broken home and you were mistreated or verbally abused and, and you suffered. You know, maybe you weren't the height you wanted to be or the color hair you wanted and you went to school and maybe you were picked on and you suffered. Maybe you didn't get the Christmas present, but your brother did get what he wanted and you suffered for that. You know, the suffering, I, I may not be able to, you may not still be able to understand it by the time I get done. But know this, it's almost, it's, you, you don't have to understand it, you just have to believe, okay? When I open up my Bible and, 
It doesn't say that I need to understand all this text for my salvation. It doesn't say that. It says I read it and I must believe what I read. Well, what do you mean by that, John? Well, say in a sense, okay, I'm driving down the road and I'm speeding, but I'm only going two miles over and I can't understand why he's going to give me a ticket. Well, you don't have to understand just believe it because it's a fact you're getting a ticket, okay? It's just that simple. Things in life, well, I, I can't understand why this has happened to me. You don't have to understand it. You know it just happened to you, so you just got to believe it, okay? Oftentimes, we have a hard time understanding things. We say we just don't understand. I don't understand why these things are happening to me and not him. Well, you don't have to understand it. You just got to believe it because it's happening. The same is with our salvation. I don't need to understand every bit of this text in this book to have my salvation. I just have to believe it when I read it. We have to, we just have to believe and understand and suffering is real. We may not understand why it always happens, but it happens. It's going to continue to happen. And we have the outcome we can believe because we know what's happening. First Peter chapter 4, verse 12. Do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. Let us pray. Our Father and our God. As we just approach your throne room of grace, Father, thinking of you, thinking of the topic of suffering, we're thinking of the suffering that, that Jesus had did just coming off of Easter, all the suffering that he did as an example. Our God suffered. We, we, th we look up to you. We thank you so much for that. We thank you for allowing us to know you, to be able to believe in you, for all the blessings and everything that you've given us. I pray that uh, peace and understanding can, can come to those who have a, that you can give them a heart to know and ears to hear and eyes to see. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now it says, Beloved. Now Peter had written this, written this book. I'm not quite sure if it was before the fires had started or after the fires when the, the Christians had got blamed for uh, burning down Rome. And I believe it was the, the emperor, whoever he was, that did it. And he was a builder and he caused the fires, but he blamed it on the Christians. And it says, it was a, it's an interesting word here. Do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you. So it, it tells us right there, uh, Peter's telling us this fiery ordeal uh, maybe I'll just say, that person's a hot mess, everything they're going through. They're just a hot mess, you know? And the fiery ordeal, back at this time, Christians, they were going through a fiery ordeal. They were persecuted from when the fire started. For the next 200 years, there were severe persecutions. And Peter says, you know, beloved, saved people, my saved brothers and sisters. Okay, this is a saved people. God's called them out. Sojourners of this world, God has called them out as his chosen people and draws them to him and loves them. 
He's saying, Beloved, do not be surprised for this fiery ordeal, this hot mess that you're in. The trials, when it comes upon you to test you, so it has something to do with a trial that's going to come upon us for testing this suffering. As though something strange were happening to you. As, as if we were shocked because we're God's chosen people. We're a special people that uh, we have to suffer. Like we act like we're shocked over that. Don't be Peter saying. You know, suffering doesn't somehow purchase glory. Suffering is glorious. Put it another way, glory is what suffering looks like from an eternal perspective. It is the honor of God that crowns God's people. And there will come a time in which all the church's shared sufferings will be seen as radiant and beautiful. See, our suffering doesn't purchase us anything or get us anything. It brings glory to God. Now, we may have a hard time understanding that, how it brings glory to God. And I'm going to try to touch on that a little bit. Because ultimately, everything in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. He was with God in the beginning. All things came, all things were made through him. Apart from him, nothing was made. Everything here on this earth was made by God. God wills it. Everything from Satan to sin to the fall in the garden. It ultimately always goes back to God. Because if we have an all-knowing, all-powerful, transcending God, he's in charge. And how, does, how could these things bring glory to God? 1 Peter chapter 1 tells us, So that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perhaps though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And we know James tells us that also. But I know that doesn't satisfy the why question. It just tells us that it, tr it tries us. It's uh, uh, consider it all joy, my brethren, during f certain trials. That it, it, it becomes this testing. Uh, putting, putting in the fire. The testing of your faith. How strong your faith is. Consider it all joy, my brethren, it tells us. He, so we have to see carnally, we, we reject uh, suffering as something that can bring glory to God or that it's going to test us, it's going to make us uh, a better person. We, 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 we reject that notion. And so he says, he tells us in, in James, he says, consider it all joy, my brethren. Consider it. That means you have to stop and take a moment and think that I have to look at this no matter how bad it is or how much suffering, and I have to consider it all joy. It's the testing of my faith, which produces endurance, which means me, leaves me lacking in nothing, because I know today that I have a saving faith. I lived my life with a faith before I had a saving faith, but it wasn't a saving faith, and I would switch and change. 
But when I go through different ordeals and different trials, it's a testing of my faith that I know that I have a real God. I have a real salvation. This is what the testing does. It reassures us. It reassures the believer that, that he's on the right path, that he is saved. And James, it tells us, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Romans chapter 5, verses 4 and 5. And endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Isaiah chapter 48, verse 10. Behold, I have refined you, but not as silver. I have tried you in the furnace of affliction. I have tried you in the furnace of affliction. Suffering. Not like silver, where it talks about being refined seven times. You, personally, suffering. Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians, verse 3. Chapter 3, verse 3. But the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. Just reassuring to know that. He establishes you. He'll protect you against the evil one. So, God allows wills, suffering, sin, all these things. Why? Well, we would never know all of God's attributes. You would never know how much God loves you if you didn't have grace. You would never know how much God loves you if you didn't have mercy. See, if we just knew one side, we would ne never know the other. And I, I grant you this, the sufferings of this world, well, I'll tell you. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. And that's, that's kind of a promise, and that still doesn't satisfy us. We would have been like any other animals if we didn't know what sin, suffering was. We would just be instinctively. We're made in God's image. He wants us to know the full extent of all his attributes. You could never know love if you didn't know hate. You can never know the goodness of God and the love of God if there wasn't these terrible things that go on. Now, we don't have to understand it. You just have to believe it. And you have to believe that all things bring glory to God. It all works for him and brings glory to him. Now, I understand that when we're, when we're with a loved one, the passing of a loved one. I, I was thinking about that. I was thinking, you know, some of the older folks, the younger people may not understand this metaphor, but do you remember your first house you bought? Remember that first house? I remember that first house I had. I, I had a little one-bedroom house. My wife, my son, just a teensy little one-bedroom. It was like a little shack, you know. And, and yeah, we were happy, and that's where we lived, you know. And then, you remember when you got the house you're in now today? You know, I, I live in this beautiful home. And uh, 
I never thought I'd be living there. It's, it's beautiful. And, and I'm kind of thinking, you know, as our journey in life, we're together. I'm together with my wife. You're together with your husband or your wife. And this journey, we're, we're, we're growing together. And so what's going to happen is one's going to pass on and one's going to stay. So one's going to be all excited for the glory. He's going to be in the presence of the Lord. He's going home to the Father. The reassurance of knowing a brother and a sister in Christ is going to be at home with the Lord. There'll be no more pain, no more crying, no more suffering. It'll just be the complete bliss, the 10,000 times the joy that you thought you had in your life today. And imagine it this way. All your suffering wound up, bound up in one bundle, flipped at the complete joy. you, You will be able to understand the amount of joy one will receive after all the suffering. You know, there's an interesting verse in Romans 6, 17. And, and I bring this up for, for a reason because it, it says, But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. Paul is thanking God. He says, But thanks be to God that you were once slaves. Thank God that you were once sinners. You were so obedient to your sin. You were such good slaves to that sin. You woke up. It drove you. It told you. You knew how to jump. Run for it. You lived for it. All that mattered to you was your sin. And Paul's thanking God. Thank God for that. And you know why? Because now that you've become a new person, a new believer, you have the right attitude towards your God. You would have never knew how to respect and give your God the love back that he's entitled to if you didn't were taught as a schoolmaster of that sin. The same thing with suffering. You understand that the suffering, the depths of your suffering, how deep you go, as deep as it go, all that suffering, you will understand the glory and the joy of God. You wouldn't know it without that suffering. And we all suffer. Oftentimes we talk about all oh, the suffering for the 200 years, the persecution at the stake, but we all suffer every day of our lives. We suffer in our carnal bodies, living, trying to live in the spirit, dealing with the carnal body and the flesh that wants to do one thing, and our spirit's telling it to do another, and, our, and we're suffering for that. We suffer when we see our children and loved ones to go outside of God's will. There's a suffering with that. A deep suffering. But all that suffering one day will be turned into joy in the presence of the Lord. It's going to be fabulous. Now, now Michael, my brother, he's going to go on. He's, going to, he's graduating. He's going to get that big, beautiful home up in the sky. And poor Darlene, she's going to go back to that shack. See, she's going to be alone. She's not going to have Michael with her. She's going to continue to suffer. And we're going to know and we're going to love the fact that we know that our brother is going to be in the presence of the Lord. We know that. We have that reassurance. But Darlene will still suffer. She'll be alone. But she won't be alone. Because she is also a spirit-filled woman. Woman. She, she, believes, she believes. She reads the scripture. She believes in her Lord. The Lord's going to give her peace. The Lord's going to carry her through. And that suffering that she's doing today will be, one day, will be 
tenfold with joy. And we would never know that joy if we wouldn't have had the suffering. We would have never known how to respect and look at our God if we wouldn't have learned how detrimental our sin was to us. We would have never learned how to be obedient. Because as we were obedient to our sin, now we can become obedient to our Lord. We thank Him for His Word. And being obedient to the Lord brings us into His Scripture to read His Word. Reading the Word of the Lord is so gratifying. So brings me out of the flesh into the Spirit. And and just as I get ready to close, you know, when I, Romans is just a wonderful book. When I got the Romans 8, it, it says, It is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but the Spirit. Okay? No condemnation. No punishment for my crime. Now, how, how is that possible? How is that he died while I was warned against him, while I was sinning against him, he died for me on the cross. He lived, he lived a sinless life, he suffered, he died on that cross. Well, I wasn't even born yet. And what about the people that were born before him? And it's a true statement, see, because God knows no time. We know time. We have one day after another. God know, knows no time, transcends time, and then I hear, because he did this for me while I was warned against him, there's no punishment for my crime that I so deserve it as a sinner. And I read that one day, and it was just so rewarding to me. And then verse 18, it tells us, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Not even, not even worthy to be compared. All the suffering your whole life added all up. It's not even worthy to be compared to the glory we're going to see in the presence of the Lord. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He who did not spare his own son but delivered him over for us all. How will he not also with him freely give us all things? Who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is. He who died, yes, rather who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us, who will separate us, who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation, will distress we're persecution, we're famine, we're nakedness, nor peril or sword. Just as it is written, for your sake we are all being put to death all day long. Just as we live for sin, we die with Christ. All day long we're dying with Christ. And it's all to bring glory to him. But in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. While you were warned against him. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing, any other creating thing, you could put yourself in that category, I didn't have enough room here to put everybody's name in there, understand that, because I don't want you to think you can lose your salvation once you get it, you are a created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God. You cannot even separate yourself from the love of God. 
of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Let us pray. Our Father and our God, we just thank you for your inspiration, your words, your love, all that you've done in the past, you're doing and going to do for us. Thank you. Amen.